All right, so you have been watching us. Thank you for watching. Um, you just joining us. Great to have you here. So this is Mother's Day. Uh, if you are a mother, special day to you. Uh, we're so glad to have mothers. Without a mother, none of us would be here. So that's been, <laughs> been great, all of us having one. We have that in common. Uh, and for all ladies, we also like to celebrate you at this church. We just want to be a community that's continually expanding the circle. So for all women out there, also happy Mother's Day to you. We are just so excited about what God's been doing in this community, how God has raised up great women to love in many different forms, whether you have a child or not. And so happy Mother's Day. I also want to give a special shout out to my wife. <laughs> hey, Katie. Happy Mother's Day. This is Corbin, everybody. He's a lot bigger than that. Um, and so she gets to haul him around. And so, Katie, happy Mother's Day. Uh, this is our first Mother's Day together. And <laughs> there you go. There we go, yeah. <laughs> well, you guys all get to make breakfast. I get to make a sermon. So, <laughs> so yeah, Katie, we'll see you in a bit. Um, yeah, if you are new to our community, if you're just logging in, this is Stanley Park Community Church. And if you haven't heard, there's a pandemic going on, and so we don't gather inside our building currently. Um, we are so glad to have you here uh, exploring Jesus and just trying to figure out what life looks like um, in a pandemic, but also as uh, followers of Jesus. That's what we're doing here. And if you're part of our church, glad that you're logging in. Um, continue to connect with one another. Chat in the chat bar. Make comments there. Uh, use this time not just to uh, intellectually think things through, but also to be reaching out to one another, saying hello, saying hi, saying happy Mother's Day, saying something. So let's see this chat bar today uh, a little bit more active as we, we are now how many weeks into this pandemic? I believe it's eight-ish. More than we want. Yeah. <laughs> eight-ish. Yeah, we've been at this for a little while. Uh, so today we are looking at um, Acts 2. Uh, which was last week as well, but we're looking at the later part, Acts 2, 37 to 47. So if you want to open that app part up on your phone, if you want to open your Bible, we'll be getting into that shortly. We are in a larger series called Move Forward. Our intent with the series is identifying that we as a culture are at a point where staying where we are is necessary, but the, the next steps, we, we want to be ready for them. We want to know intentionally why and what we're stepping into and so looking at Acts, which is the following, the, the sequel to the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, how the church responded, how they were um, catalyzed, how they then moved out to bring love, peace, hope, joy, um, and dealt with conflict challenges as they went. They ultimately were just trying to follow uh, the great teacher, but also our, our Lord and Messiah, Jesus in their new context as we also are trying to figure out how to follow our Lord Jesus in our new context. That's right. Yeah. Do you want to hop in with prayer and our uh, passage? Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you that there has been a group of people seeking to follow you ever since this story in the book mm -hmm. of Acts. And that uh, we want to take our place in this long chain of faithful followers of yours and uh, learn how to do our bit today to be your people. Open our eyes, inspire us, and help us to know how to follow you now. Mm -hmm. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. So what we're reading here, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Like it's the tail end of the first evangelistic sermon in the history of the world. Yeah, we cut out the sermon part, which is funny. Yeah. <laughs> you can go back and read it. But, yeah. but there's a, there is a, so this is the, the, the end of the sermon, and then the outgrowth of that is the start of a community. And so there's sort of two sections here. I'm going to start at verse 37 of Acts 2 and read through to the end of that chapter. And there's, again, two bits. There's the end of the sermon and the beginning of this new community. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Mm -hmm. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Yeah. All right. So this, this passage, uh, I've spent a lot of time around church planters, and this, this passage is like the church planter's favorite thing. They're just like, oh, look, look at this community. Look at what's all going on. And it's a vibrant, exciting uh, like story of what, what came out of, one, a sermon, but ultimately out of, out of Jesus' sacrifice, his, his years of work discipling, and the, the indwelling of the Spirit. This is what happened. Uh, so the context, right, is the last week we looked at the Spirit came on those to wait in a room. And from there, they spoke in tongues. They are uh, speaking in a language, worshiping and praising God. And then Peter just gets right to the message. He's telling them about who Jesus is, telling them what that means. And at the end of that message, it cut people's hearts. Not literally cut it, but they... <laughs> The hard shells that uh, I think everyone, uh, one of us knows is that we have things in our lives that, you know, we kind of just brace up against, we kind of live with, but they came to a point in their lives where they said, yeah, that, that resonates, that, that gets me right here. I, I need to do something differently in my life. And so this large group of people who were uh, in there because last week we looked at the, the week of weeks, the festival that was going on, they now have to figure out what, what life looks like when they, they feel this, when they sense what God is doing. Uh, do you want to jump in on? It, it just, I, it, I find it really interesting that when Peter, you know, when the people say, like, what do we do? Yep. Um, what he ends up sort of holding out in front of them is two things. That, mm -hmm. that because of what Jesus did, forgiveness is available. Yeah. But also, 
the living presence of the Spirit. And yes. I, I think this picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus as we are those who are forgiven because of what Jesus did, and we are those who are indwelt by Jesus himself, by the yeah. Spirit. Um, the, these, two, these two central pieces are like, they're, they're centerpieces. They're, they're the beautiful core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah, uh, I, I love 42 Onward, where you look at this community, this culture, um, how they share and how they love and how they're growing and, and discipling and, and inviting others in. I absolutely love that. But the, the challenge is, is that we can also be so in love with all those cool, neat, beautiful things that we, we miss what makes it all possible. Yeah. And, that, and that's why we put this, this part of it in there, is we wanted to make sure that we understand that the we're going to be exploring uh, and ultimately, hopefully, hopefully living out and being, uh, comes out of that, the cutting of our heart, the, the moment where we say, like, man, God is so good. And, and we ask, how do we respond? And, and it's not, now you go do these things. It's entering into a relationship with, with God, the creator who loves you, to allow him to dwell and guide you with a spirit, to devote yourself, to, to be fully for this Jesus and out of that is where we, we see the, the Acts 42 carry on. And so the, the, the theme in all of Acts is the expansion of the church, of God in tangible ways. But all of it comes with Christ as center, as Christ yeah. as, as king. If uh, you don't like the king, go with Christ as boss, Christ as as the one that we all come to, to, to know how to live, how to, how to connect, how to be with. And so a, a kingdom without the king would be pointless. And so we see that the theme of the expanding circle is ultimately helping people know and live and be connected to this, this Jesus by, by committing to the spirit, by you know, being baptized, saying, I'm fully on board, not holding back anything, and living out of that heart posture of saying, I am... I am deeply for this. What do I do now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as we go into the, the Acts uh, section, it, it talks about what they did. They had four commitments as, as a community. One was to the teachings of the apostles, to fellowshipping with one another, to breaking of the bread, and prayer. And these are, if you look through history of when the church was doing really, really well, these four things just show up over and over and over again. Um, teaching, it's not just this head knowledge. You want to talk about what well, the, it's, it's really interesting. Um, it says they devoted themselves. I yes. love that word devoted. Yeah. So that's not agreeing to a statement. It's devoting themselves yeah. to a way of life. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. Um, now we know what the apostles teaching is because the New Testament records the apostles' teaching. And uh, the apostles, what they taught was very much along the line of what Jesus taught. Mm -hmm. And what they taught and what Jesus taught was, I mean, there is information. There's information about God. There's what kind of being he is and all yeah. of that. But that's not the heart of it. The heart of it is how to live our lives. And so there's all this about forgive one another, all mm -hmm. this about love one another, all, all this about the servant is the greatest, and there there is a way of life that's described. So so the teaching is not, you know, I'm I'm all for taking good notes, but it's not just notes. 
<laughs> and I'm all for thinking clearly, <laughs> but it's not just thinking clearly, it's living it out. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, the term disciple is, uh, if you've been around the church for a while, something that's floated around, but we don't, we don't really take that to the tangible end of what growing in knowledge looks like. It is, it is doing of the things that you believe. If, if you don't do what you believe, the question is, do you really believe what, yeah. what you think you Trainee is a good word. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, a disciple is a trainee, learning, learning how to do it. Yeah. Like the, the kingdom of Live, God. That is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the kingdom of God is our new nature, but we still have to figure out how do we walk like my little baby. He's not even walking yet. And, and so the, the living out of our abilities comes in, in, yes, having right thoughts and having good doctrine and believing the truth. But if it's all just up in here and it never impacts the world, we... We miss partly a large part of why Jesus came to walk, teach, grow, love, die, and instill the Spirit in us. And so, yeah, the, one, the first commitment was, was teaching, was to help us understand how to live in this new life, this new normal to them. Oh, I right, right, saw you got jumping. Uh, the, another one of their commitments was to fellowshipping. And... This is, in our culture, super hard right now. Like, we have Zoom, we have text, we have a bunch of those things, but John was just actually telling me about how good it was to go around yesterday. Do you want to? Well, I just, uh, uh, one of the things we've always done is have some treats for moms on Mother's Day, uh, moms and ladies. Yeah. Uh, because we couldn't hand them out here at the service, yeah. uh, we, a bunch of us uh, drove around, and so I, I drove around treats for stopped in and had, I had conversations with people at their way far away, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was just so delightful to actually see somebody yes. and talk to them. And uh, so I, I had a great day yesterday just simply by being able to go out and see some folks from far away. <laughs> Very clearly, far away. No. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, and so, and so the, the fellowship that we see in Acts uh, 42 on is, is a, this commitment of love to each other, this Ability to be alongside and to be for, uh, always, su- uh, not suffering, uh, serving, there it is, always serving one another. And it, it might be to the point of suffering, but that they, they just genuinely cared to be with and alongside, having time with each other. And so that was one of their commitments as well. The, the third that you see in the passage is breaking of the bread. We believe in that here. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we believe in eating with each other. To, it's, it's, the Lord's Supper is uh, a thing that we do, but in this context, they would often be a part of a larger meal, of a, of a gathering where they'd sit down, they'd eat, they'd fellowship, they'd have relationships with each other, and they'd end up having a conversation. What does this, how is this even possible? And that's the Christ-centeredness that Jesus died, he, he suffered, he rose, and that it's his body and it's his blood that we are reflecting on, giving us the opportunity to be in such a deep fellowship. And so they had that commitment that they would not forget Jesus in amongst their meals, that he would be a, a key piece to who their cultural identity is as a community. Yeah. Uh, a fun way to put that is yep. uh, our church, and probably lots yep. and lots of churches, have communion services, yep. and we also have potlucks. Yeah. In, in the early church, those two things were one thing. Yeah. Uh, like the the communion was part of a meal. They called it a love feast. Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of like the potluck and the communion service all together. 
It's a great idea. Absolutely, and I, I am super excited. <laughs> when we finally get back to a larger gathering, we are definitely having one of these feasts, right? <laughs> uh, you, can, you can write it down on your calendar, whatever day you want to guess that. If you're right, we'll, we'll celebrate your rightness. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we are so excited about, once again, that being a part of who we are as a community already, but we want to be growing in these is one of the key reasons we're highlighting their, their commitments. The, the last of their four commitments is prayer. And that is one of the ones that is so interesting in, in the church is that you, you don't have a lack of prayer of people, of, of a community, you know, because it, it's just so normal. Like the, the life that we live it just keeps going and, and it seems like there's no difference whether you pray or not. But then you see such a big difference in those that do pray, the, the ones that are interceding are leaning into their, their, their spiritual right, their, their childhood, um, being a child of God's ability to be connected to the Spirit and talk to the Creator, the, the God of all of this, and say, God, I am so for this person. I ask that you, you free them, that you help them in this situation. And the, the prayer-filled life is noticed. Yeah. The, the prayerless life just seems to catch into all the other things, and we may miss that. But as, as a community, once again, this, this church... They, they gathered, they prayed, they were looking to be in tune and responsive with the Spirit. And that's their fourth commitment. You want to talk about that at all? Uh, I'm not sure. All right. Well then, <laughs> the, the other thing that John and I were chatting about was looking at the, the way that this church uh, is kind of defined with uh, kind of what seems like polars, like the, the, the church met at home and at the temple. Do you want to talk about that? I will Do you want to talk that. about yeah, that? That's All right. what I want to talk That one's for John. Yeah. <laughs> so I love this idea, um, and maybe a way to say it is like a whole and balanced life. Mm-hmm. So the church was vigorously God-centered. Like they were praising God, there were miracles, signs. Like you, you can't explain what this group of people was without the living, dynamic presence of God. At the same time, though, they were devoted to each other. They spent time together. They shared homes together. They ate together. They, they sold their stuff and helped each other. Like, you know, this combination of fellowship and helping mm-hmm. and God-centeredness all at the same time, not one or the other. Uh, and again, you, you mentioned they, they met in the temple and they met in people's homes. So it was... You know, the more formal side, they had formal meetings. Uh, or they probably weren't very formal, but they were... <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was ties. Yeah, they definitely yeah. wore ties. With... <laughs> yeah, not formal, but they had meetings. But they also, afterwards, met in their homes and talked. And, yeah. and, and this idea of your, the whole... Of your, yeah, and it's another really interesting thing. They took care of each other, mm-hmm. and they reached out to the people who were around them. So at the same time, there was... I, I, like, I call it in-reach and outreach. Um, uh, it, it does seem to me it, churches are usually better at one or the other. Yeah. Uh, care about others, but they don't care for each other, which is very bad for your life. Or, or so, fo- <laughs> so focused on each other that we forget there's a whole world out there that needs to find out about Jesus. And th- they did all of that all at the same time. And I think that's a, uh, a picture of what the church is. Uh, it, it's, in, in, our, in our culture, we often just look at, oh, we meet at homes, or we, oh, we meet at church. And that we we kind of have this like fragmented life where these things don't ever connect. They don't ever meet. And, and that's not the picture of what life was like for this, this community originally. And, and you can say, yeah, they don't live in our culture. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. But the, 
the idea behind it is that their faith, their devotion to, to Jesus led them to live in a, a holistic life. That Jesus isn't just Jesus on a Sunday. He's not just on a, on a Wednesday night Zoom call. He's, he's Jesus in everything. And therefore, every aspect of their community, every aspect of each individual's life, reworked and reconfigured to how does this look as a, a church? And that's hard, right? Like, we all have our lives, we all have our rhythms, we all have our, our intent, and to allow God to not just reorder everything immediately. And if he does, that's cool. But a lot of us is on a slower process where he highlights a little something to, to re, reconfigure into this is what I want to do with this part of your life to be a better part of my church. Not this building, not this Sunday gathering, but of a body of believers living for Jesus with one another. And so they, they would share. And they, it even says in the here, and this one, is, it's in the Bible, it's not me, is they sold their things to help others, yeah. right? Like, I, I, I sell things to help myself. <laughs> like, uh, I get more money for this if I just sell it now because everybody wants my weights, right? Like, they're a ridiculous price. I'm not selling it. But the idea is that we, we sell things to profit ourselves. But in this community, they said, man, Mary, Mary needs something, and I have an extra snowblower. What if I sell my snowblower, and I just take that money, and I support Mary? Mm. They, they looked at each other and they saw a need and they said, you know what? I have more. I, I, I can give. I don't, it, it's not like, oh, well, we need to hit our budget this year. Like, wait, do, we do, but <laughs> the, it's not a budget-driven thing. It's like, no, like. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, we've seen a lot of this this last little while. And I, again, there's lots about this pandemic and shutdown yeah. that nobody likes. Yeah. But I, but. Lots and lots of people are also talking about they are seeing some good sides to yeah. this. And one of the things that people talk about is people are noticing their neighbors. Mm-hmm. People are noticing their friends. And they're finding ways to help because help is, I mean, part of it, it's obvious how help is needed. Yeah. But also, you know, the stuff that really matters kind of floats up to the top. And, and so when we hear what these folks did, we can see something of that yeah. uh, as we are in this time. And I think that's, that's sort of one of the beautiful sides of what in lots and lots of ways isn't such a great time. Yeah. But, but it, it, people, are, people are caring for each other. And uh, so that's, I don't know, yeah, and, and, that's church-like. And, and exactly. <laughs> like in, in our church, maybe you are, are sitting in your room and this is the, the thing that's cutting you to your heart, right? It, it's like you're sitting in all this stuff that you have and you start hearing God say, there's others around you that have far less. And maybe this is the cut for you today, mm. is that you start re, reorienting all your things to be like, well, this doesn't even bring me joy. What's that, Mario Kondo, Kondo, whatever, I always say her name wrong, where it's like, does this spark joy? No, like, well, this thing is just a thing, and I, I think I'd find far more joy living in the Christian way of loving somebody. Mm. And so entertain that idea. Don't you don't have to rush off, but just let the Spirit talk to you. Now, as, as this community, they, they had Christ as their center part. Like, I think we can get so excited about you know, this, this living alongside like, a shared garden and like, all these, oh, I shared my snowblower and I'm just so happy. But the, the centerpiece was, was Christ. Um, I shared, I think it was last week or the week before, I, I lived in an intentional Christian community for a couple of years. 
and knowing that the intent was to focus and grow on our spiritual journeys, to live as closely as we could to you know, this kind of axe thing, um, it led us to develop a rhythm. As, as a community, we would get together um, once a week, and one of us would cook a meal. Another one of us would come with a, a reflection on the scriptures. And some of us were in Bible college. Some of us just were coming in because there's something attractive about living amongst others that are trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. And so the, the, the Bible study wasn't always like, oh, you know, the, in the Greek it says this. It was sometimes like, you know, I, I read this passage and I think this talks to me this way. And so the, our community had this rhythm where we were just trying to take a bit of what it looks like to live in community and to serve one another with food and to continue to focus on Christ in our development. And that was us trying to take a piece of this early church and input it into a, a model of our lives. But not everybody's going to you know, live in a house with a bunch of other guys. That's, you know, Katie and I probably aren't going to be doing that anytime soon, <laughs> right? But the, the, the Christ-centeredness is what, what was the key piece. And so wrestling with what parts of my life can, can, can shift and change towards this, not because this is the prescriptive, you need to share all things in common, but because there's a heart in there that is just so in tune with what God is doing and what God desires. And it, it might be looking at how does a shared life happen in your neighborhood? Yeah. It might be you, you taking your snowblower and saying, I'm not selling my snowblower, I'm in Canada, I need a snowblower. But saying, you know what, my neighbors... <laughs> in me. Yeah, yeah, you needed it yesterday, right? But maybe you, you look at what you have and say, maybe I could, I could share that with my neighbors. Maybe I can open, open up the circle of what I have. I, I'm a great cook. Maybe I can be cooking a, a little bit extra, not just for my lunch tomorrow, but a little extra for my neighbor down the street. Taking the little gifts and the skills and the things that you have. Uh, there's a, a couple in London uh, last summer. I was hoping to do this, but I won't do it this year. They started up a coffee bar in their driveway. They loved coffee. They loved the idea of being neighborly. And they got a nice little Ikea, I think, like countertop thing and some bar stools and some pour-over stuff. That's my kind of thing. But they, <laughs> they, they didn't just have that in their house. They would wheel it out to the, the sidewalk, and they'd make coffee for their neighbors as they go out for walks. They'd say every Friday at this time to this time, come by, have a coffee. They were looking at engaging with what they have, what they love, and allowing others to come alongside it. And, and that kind of leads into what made this church so interesting. It wasn't just about them enjoying what they had. They, they leaned into a very attractive evangelism, that people saw this beauty, this, this church, and said, man, I want to be a part of that. And as people come in, they aren't just like, oh man, I can't wait to serve on your coffee team. They were like, man, like, why do you do this? And the answer always came back to who Jesus is. They said, like, oh, I, I give you coffee. I share my snowblower because like, I know what it's like to have more than enough. I'm, I'm in a deep relationship with God, and, and he's helping me live in a, in a fuller way where I can, can serve, I can connect. You know, one of the things, and I'm sure this is your experience as yeah. well, um, I, because of what I do, I'm a pastor, I get to hear lots of people's stories, mm -hmm. and uh, I hear a lot of people share how it is they came to be followers of mm -hmm. Jesus. And it's always different, right? It's, yeah. a, it's a very highly personalized story. But in a tremendous number of cases, folks will share that somebody lived their Christian life in a way that kind of rubbed up against them 
and they liked it. They liked mm -hmm. what they saw. But it, I mean, it almost never was it like the most cogent argument I've yeah. ever heard about. I mean, there's a place for that. Yeah, yeah. But actually, it was it was usually seeing people caring for each other, seeing people's sincere devotion, seeing people's honest living, yeah. just was attractive. It Absolutely. Was, it, it, and I mean, that's what we, that's how the church started. That's how it grew. And, and even if you look back into the, the gospels, you look at Jesus's life, it was, it was that. It was something very attractive about him where the hurting, the hungry, both the, the spiritually hungry and the physically hungry would, would come to him. The outsider would, would find belonging. And for us, we want to be an attractional church, not, not the one that is all about, you know, come and watch us do things, but the one that's like, Man, those believers, they, they are just so much like that Jesus guy. They're not perfect, like Brad. Like, oh, that guy's, he's got some off things, right? But, the, <laughs> but the, the core of who we are is so intertwined with Jesus that we are trying to live his way. And so we as a, as, as a church are, are trying to make sure that we, as, we redevelop as we look at what this pandemic means to us. We live into these kind of four commitments as... Um, we find a, a, a resemblance to the earlier church. This is one of the great things is that not gathering on a Sunday, not having all the things that we regularly do, makes us ask, what can we do? What, what are we doing? How does it shape? And we would love for this to be part of our reshaping, and this being a community that is so in love with Jesus, one that is cut to the heart and not willing to just try to heal or cover up that wound, but allow that to shape our lives, to be for other people, to to commune as much as we can, to devote ourselves to the growth in knowledge, but also the growth in our lifestyle. To be one that is committed to eating. Yeah, I sold you, I we sold can, you, we, yeah. We can do, we can do yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> and, and as we eat, to remember that this is the body and the blood of Jesus that is affording us the opportunity to live this lifestyle. Um, and, and one of the other things is over the summer, we, we're working on, and this is just a, a starting part, a, a way of encouraging this lifestyle in, in the pandemic, but also, also in a way that we as a community can make this part of our DNA as we come back. And so there's going to be an email sent out later today, um, Eat, Love, Pray. It's apparently also a movie. Not a great movie, I guess. A book, whatever. Um, <laughs> Started as a book, as so many things do. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and, and so what we're looking at is the, the re, reliving of what that means out of Christ. And so an email is going to be looking at how do we gather in ways with others where we can eat, love, and pray. Eating is making food and taking food to somebody else. As, as that looks a lot like what the early church was about. Um, loving people is maybe taking time to invite somebody over to your deck to talk over tea or to, for me, a conversation over coffee, right? Taking those moments to live alongside other people. And, and praying. This, one of the commitments of the early church was prayer. And if we as a church aren't a praying church, we aren't a church at all. And that's hard to say, but it's true. If we are not in connection with the Spirit and conversing with Him, we aren't a church. And so for us also to be praying for our neighbors, to uh, intercede for them, to have that intent, to you know, sit down, have coffee, to make food, but also to say, I am I am for my neighbor. And God, I want to I know what, what you think of them and how, 
how you love them and, and pray for them, to pray about your neighbors, to pray about one another. These are the markers of the early church, but this is also what we as a church want to continue to see growing over the pandemic, but to be one of those things that we plant so deeply in who we are as a rhythm and as a practice as a church in this time, that as we get to regather and as we come back, we actually do these things even closer and in deeper fellowship and in deeper prayer and with greater meals. That's a selling feature, right? And so that are not on our mailing list. Uh, I, there's a link, I think it's a second link on this video. It says like kind of sign up for our emails. Uh, you can click on that link and third option says eat, love, pray uh, updates. Click there and we will get you the email as well, kind of explaining a, a bit of what that could look like um, for you, and just kind of the intent behind it. And it's, it's in the early baby stages. So this thing is going to develop. This is something we want to see marking our lives, my life, John's life, your life, us as a community, uh, because we want to look more like the early church. Mm. But we want to do this with that, that part from before where the centrality of everything that we're doing is because we know Jesus, because he, he, he loves our neighbors. He loves our, our fellowship. He loves the people that we do life with. And from that posture, find tangible ways to expand the kingdom with love, with food, and with prayer. You want to jump in on anything, last words? Just a, like a sort of a thought, a general thought is throughout the entire history of the church, people have looked to passages like this and said, how do we do this mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. And uh, this picture is a beautiful thing. Where we live is where we are. And here. how do we take this yeah. and do it here? That's our job. Uh, as believers, that's our job. How do we how do we take this and live out of that into that mm-hmm. here? Always prayers at the center. Always it's about close connection with God. Always it's about love, but and food and food. <laughs> yeah, but it looks different every time. Yep. because of different settings, and and that's the adventure that we uh, embark upon when we seek to be His followers. Absolutely. So. If you want that email, click that link, get to that spot, we'll get it out to you. Uh, But this is the classic time at the end of our service where it's coffee time. So take your phone out or get further onto your computer, send out an email, make a phone call or text somebody from our community because we want to continue to be in fellowship. We don't want people sitting in isolation and wondering where their church friends are. We want to be so deeply connected and loving of one another. So take this time over the next hour, make yourself a pot of coffee, you know the lines, or just a hot cup of of water, tea, whatever, it doesn't matter, but send out three messages to three people saying, I'm thinking of you, I love you, happy coffee hour, or just how are you? And so thank you for taking out the time this morning to be with us, and uh, we, we love you guys, and we hope that you are doing well.